week-long series on revival. Uh, we started last week by talking about repentance, and we're going to continue that here this week. Just as a quick refresher, uh, the definition of revival is any remarkable improvement in devotion to God by God's people. That's as simple as that. It's going from, uh, from a, a low level of, of passion and love for God to a high level of passion and love for God. That's, that's a simple breakdown of what it means. And when we look at revivals throughout uh, the Bible history and just world history in general, there's just some characteristics that, that uh, mark those. Some of my characteristics. You can read through those, but um, those are kind of the, the general big idea characteristics that we see as we look historically at revivals that have happened. Um, you know, we are, I believe, in a season of revival in our student ministry. Uh, God has been speaking to us very clearly over the last uh, six months or so that, that he's wanting to do something new in us. And I, I strongly believe that we are in a season of revival. We experienced some pretty, pretty awesome revival at camp. Um, the stories that are coming out of camp that we just got back from this past week are incredible. Like, life-changing stuff is happening. And it's not because we're doing anything uh, in particularly special besides begging God to move. And he's doing it by his grace and mercy. Um, last week, like I said, we talked about repentance and how uh, essential repentance is. It is the necessary first step if we ever hope to experience personal revival or corporate revival as, as a church body. Um, repentance just very simply means you're going one direction, and God says, nope, that's not okay. And you say, yes, sir, and you go the other direction. That's a simple definition of repentance. It means going one way and then changing the way that you think about whatever your circumstances, whatever action you're taking. When you change the way that you think, it then changes the way that you act. And so repentance is very simply letting God change the way that you think and act. Um, and repentance is an ongoing thing. If you think that, oh, I repented last week, and so I'm not going to have to repent ever again, it doesn't work like that. I, I repent of things every day because I am just a broken mess of a person. And so continue to, to keep repentance at the forefront of your mind. You, you need to be continually asking God, God, how do I need to uh, change the way that I think, change the way that I act to honor you more, to experience more of you? Anyway, so repentance was last week. This week, we're going to be moving on to worship. Um, worship is a key aspect of revival. Uh, when, whenever we experience revival, uh, we experience a, a greater level of worship, a greater enjoyment of worship, and really and a greater enjoyment of God in worship. Um, if we don't worship God, we will worship idols. If we don't worship God, we will worship false gods. That, it's, it's as simple as that. There's no getting around it. You can't say, I'm not going to worship God, but I'm also not going to worship idols. No, if you're not worshiping God, you, by default, will be worshiping false gods. Things that you think will give you happiness, joy, peace, fulfillment, but really end up robbing you in the end. We are designed to be worshipers. Humans are worshipers at, at our very core and nature. If you don't believe me, how many of you guys have ever participated in or seen videos of, of the madness that happens at Black Friday? 
You guys, Black Friday, anyone? Black Friday is madness. Like, people will line up for, for hours so that they can go get a sweet blender. And they will run people over. They will stamp. Like, people have died on, on Black Friday sales. I, I don't understand. People will, will run other people over. They'll get in fist fights with each other. They will take anyone out that gets in their way so that they can get a sweet blender or a sweet TV for, for 30% off or what, like, you're saving a little bit of money, but because they worship the things, it's totally reasonable that they would knock your lights out to get to the blender first because they're worshiping the, the things. We don't just worship things. We, we worship people. I mean, if you guys know that celebrity worship is a thing, right? Uh, show me my picture of, of my, my ladies there. Oh, my gosh. They just met their favorite celebrity. Oh my gosh, it just, it, it moves me. They just met their favorite celebrity. Do you, does anyone guess who it is? Guess who it is? Yell it out. Yell it out. Yell it out. Beebs! They got to meet the Beebs. They are believers. They get to be in the presence of the, the great Bieber. And, and they're filled with emotion. They're filled with, with awe at old J.B., Right, old Justin Bieber. They're even, they're even. Look, they're reaching out their hands. I just want to, I just want to touch him. Let me just touch the hem of his cloak. It's Justin Bieber. All about it, the Biebs. We worship people, and if it's not celebrities, it, it, it's other people. We, we don't just worship people. We worship like our, our, our personal collection of things. So, so my sweet collection. Okay, now in all honesty, that's a pretty sweet collection of Star Wars toys. I mean, I'm. In, in my flesh, just confession time, I'm a little jealous of that guy because I'm a bit of a nerd. But is that not worshiping? Like, this is, this is the Star Wars shrine, right? They come in, light the candles, do, do the prayers to the, to the Star Wars gods. I don't know what they're doing. But this is, this is worshiping um, their, their own collection of things. Like, they, they, they love it so much. They've probably spent... Tens of thousands of dollars collecting on these things, bidding on eBay, whatever they got to do to get them. We worship by nature. It is hardwired into us as humans. Listen to this quote. We humans are worshipers at our core. Some worship at the throne of success and fame, others possession or people. We worship anything and everything that gives us pleasure. But all of these will leave us empty. It's only when we realize that the need to worship was given to us in order that we would find pleasure in our creator. Only then will we find true happiness. All these other things that we give our time and our attention and our focus and our money to, do they not always leave us empty, needing more? Like, okay, I got this one thing, I, I'm just, uh, just one more thing. If I just get one more thing, then I'll truly be happy. They always leave us wanting more because... We, we are designed to worship not the things, but we're designed to worship our creator, the only one that can satisfy us. And so the question you have to ask yourself here this morning is, what are you worshiping in life? We, we all worship something. We all worship a lot of different somethings. What, what are you worshiping right now? What has the, the preeminent place of your heart? When you look at your heart, what, what inside of you gets you the most excited in life? 
for a lot of us, it's probably a boy or a girl, or maybe the, the hope of a later relationship with a boy or a girl, or maybe it's just wanting to talk to a boy or a girl for the first time. I don't know. We, we think about that all the time, and it consumes our thoughts. For, for some of us, it's, it's money and success. Like, like, we are planning our entire life around becoming like, like Jay-Z and Beyonce. Like, we just want to rule the world. We want to be the king and queen. We want all the things, all the success. Maybe, maybe it's trying to line yourself up with that. Maybe it's, man, I, I can't tell you. I, I was a gamer growing up. I played a lot of video games. I worshipped at the throne of video games. I would play them for hours and hours and days and days. And then at the end of it, after I'd spent 40 hours beating this game, it's like, what, what, what was the point of that? Okay, I, I did the thing. What eternal value does that have? I don't know, but I worshipped it, and I worshipped it with all of my heart. Maybe it's grades at school. Maybe, maybe it's like success at school. You're, you're worshipping your, your own perfection. I, I, I don't know. Whatever your thing is, we all have things inside of us that we are worshipping. What, what is that here today? Know, recognize that whatever that is, it can't make you happy. If that is what you are looking to, to make you happy, you will be sorely disappointed. Sorely disappointed. And so, if God is the only thing that can make us happy, if God is the only thing that we should worship, then we better look at what his book to us says about worship. And so to do that, we're going to be in Psalm 95. Let's just read it together, and then we'll go through it. It says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing songs of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. So this begins by saying, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing songs of praise to him. So what what do we see in the first command here? The first step in worship is we have to come. It means Simply go from point A to point B. Oftentimes, that is point A to point B inside of our hearts. It's going from point A, I don't care about singing out to God. I don't care about connecting with God. I don't care about being here right now. I'm hungry. I'm tired. i got to go to the bathroom. Whatever your thing is, it's going from point A to point B, which is, God, I just want to connect with you. God, I just want more of you. So the first commandment is, is to go from point A to point B, but that always requires effort. If Lindsay, my wife in the back right now, says, Kaylin, come to me. Come to me right now. I have to physically get off this stage and run over to her. It requires effort. It requires some movement. When we worship, we have to engage our hearts with a little bit of effort. You can't just come into worship and expect, I'm just going to sit here like a bump on a log and expect God to just drag me from point A to point B. Point A being where I am right now, point B being falling madly in love with the Lord. Like, it doesn't work like that. We, we have to engage our hearts. 
What else do we see in this, these verses? It says, let us sing to the Lord, let us shout joyfully to him, sing songs of praise to him. Again, it's saying worship is active. Like if we're worshiping something, if, if those ladies are worshiping Justin Bieber, I want you to just picture for a second, they're, they're, at, a, they're at a Bieber concert, like, like the, the, the best of the best concert in 14-year-old girls' worlds. I, I don't know. Do, do people like Justin Bieber still? Yeah, yeah, you know it. Everyone's embarrassed to say it, but you know it. Okay, you're at, a, you're at, you're at the Bieber concert or whatever your person of choice, Beyonce or whoever, and, and you're, you're standing right next to them. Like, you get the backstage stage passes, and then you get to go on stage with them, and, and you're like, you're like from, from me to Paul to, to the Biebs. Justin Bieber is sitting right in front of me right now. Would any of you be like, what's up, Bieber? Can I just, I'm just going to sit down here because I don't really care. Like, No! When you worship, you are active. Like those, those girls are like, oh my gosh, it's Justin Bieber, would you just touch me? That is, that is Justin Bieber you're in front of. You, you want to be close to him. You want him to give you a hug. You want, to let him, let, you want him to let you sing into the mic. Like you want to interact with the Bieber. Worship is active. Anytime we're worshiping God, it's the same thing. If we expect to just come in, sit down, put our hands in our pocket, like, God, you're great. God, you're awesome. I worship you now. Like, that, that is not true worship. Does, does that sound like worship to any of you guys? No, worship is active. Worship is, it, it says singing, it's shouting. Worship has to be active. And then it says, let us come to him with thanksgiving. Why does worship begin with thanksgiving? Well, because when we have a thankful heart towards God, it drives us, it, it pushes us to then give everything we have to him. When you, when you are recognizing how thankful you are to God for everything that you have, it wells up gratitude inside of you and it makes you want to worship him. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, I... I have nothing to be thankful for. My life is hard. And I, I know that some of y'all's lives are brutally hard. Some of you guys have very hard lives. But even the hardest of lives, we, we have something to be thankful for. I want you to just take, take in a deep breath. Just deep breath. Oh, let it out. That was a gift from God. If the almighty God of heaven decides right in the middle of me telling you to take a deep breath that you are going to have an aneurysm and die, then you die. God almighty is sustaining you. Every single breath that you have is a gift from God. But beyond that, the the God of heaven created us like he he spoke and everything became into creation he made man and woman they were they were in this perfect unity with him in the garden and then what did we do we spat in his face we said god i don't want you i don't need you and what did god do if i was god i would say i forget you y'all have fun by yourself i'm done with you guys but but god's not like me praise god god said okay I know, I know you don't want me right now. You're, you're going your own way. You're going to experience the heartache there. But I'm going to pursue you with a relentless love. I'm going to chase you down until you're mine again. And so he sent Jesus 
to take on flesh, to become a man, to live a perfect life, to die in our place so that, so that we wouldn't have to experience the wrath of God that is duly coming our way. Jesus saved us from the wrath of God against sin because we, puny creation, looked up at the perfect, holy, infinite God and we spat in his face. That is the greatest sin of all. And, and Jesus doesn't write us off. No, he says, I love you. I'm, I'm coming for you. I will save you. I will gladly take your place. And if you don't think you have anything to be thankful for, spend, spend a few minutes thinking about Jesus and where you would be without him. Or maybe if you don't know him this morning and you want to get to know him, you just whisper out a prayer, Jesus, I, that sounds great. I want that from you. Would you save me? I can't save myself. This verse goes on, For the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. Guys, this, this is my favorite part of this whole passage. It says, For the Lord is a great God. Not, not the Lord is, is a, a puny God. Not the Lord is kind of a God or, or the Lord is this metaphysical idea of a, a God that we have in our minds. No, the Lord is a great God. What's this, what this is saying here is that God, the one that we serve, is infinitely powerful, is infinitely wise, infinitely strong. I mean, imagine this God that we serve existed before time and space was all self-sufficient. He didn't need anyone to do anything. He was perfectly happy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit from eternity past. And if that blew your mind, good, because it blows my mind all the time and I don't get it. But this perfect, infinite God created us with the breath of His lungs. With, with one word, He spoke and billions upon billions of galaxies with billions of stars inside of them came into creation. They burst forth. And then he spoke, and you were created. He spoke, and you had life. And this is a great God that we serve. Who is like this God? This infinitely holy one who holds all power and all authority and everything in the palm of his hands. And yet he says to us, I want to know you. That is a great God that we serve. And then it says, he is a great king above all gods. What that's saying is, all of those idols that are in your life, all of those, those things in your life that you, you feel like you can't get away from, he is infinitely greater than those. Jesus has no rival. It's not Jesus and Satan button heads against each other because Satan wins some and Jesus wins some and Jesus is, is like is exhausted from this battle. No. The God that we serve is infinitely great and everything sits under his feet. The demons, the angels, human beings, the presidents, the kings, the nations with all their nuclear bombs pale in comparison to this infinitely great God that we serve. What that means for us practically is what do you need rescue from? 
What do you need rescue from? What chains are binding in your life? Is it a, a crippling addiction? Are you just addicted so much to pornography that you're even thinking about it right now? You just can't get away from it? Are you struggling with this terrible depression that makes you feel like you're worthless and that nobody sees you? Do you have anxiety that's just eating you alive inside that you can't get away from? Is there a broken relationship in your life that that you feel like you're hopeless to, to mend? Man, this God that we serve is the great king above all little g gods. Meaning he is the infinite king above addictions and above pornography and above the the opinions of others. What do you need rescue from? Man, cry out to the living God of the universe because he is mighty to save. Guys, You have to recognize that worship is warfare. Worship is warfare against the enemy of your souls and against your flesh that wants to destroy you. When we were at camp, Bailey, our worship pastor in the back, she was experiencing one night before worship, she said the worst anxiety of her the last few years. She said she was on her way to worship and she, she felt like she couldn't even talk because the, the knot in her stomach was so tight that it was, it was clenching up every muscle in her body. She was under severe attack. And everything inside of her wanted to run away. I'm sure most of you guys can relate to that. When you're, when you're feeling anxious or depressed, it's like, I don't want to be around anybody right now. I'm just going to run away. That's how I always feel. She felt like, man, I just want to get out of here. I just, I just need to leave. But God pressed it on her heart. No, you need to be here. And so she was obedient and she was faithful, even though her feelings said to do the exact opposite. She obeyed the Lord in spite of her feelings. And she went into worship. And she felt like God told her, you just need to sing out. Sing out all of the, the words that we are, are singing right now. And as you sing, your heart will begin to believe it. Sing out until your heart believes it. And so she did that. She didn't feel it at first. She didn't feel like doing it at first. But she sang out in spite of how she felt. She she would lift her hands and she would sing as loud as she could so that her heart would change. And you know what God did? God began to change her heart through that. Why? Because worship is warfare. As she began singing the truth of these songs out loud, the enemy, the demons that were attacking her were like, oh no, I don't want any part of this. They began leaving. Her flesh began responding to to what the truth of these songs was saying and began changing. And by the end of the worship service, after someone else had prayed over her, she felt like there was no other anxiety on her. Like it had all been, been gone because she used worship as warfare. As you have to recognize, what, what burdens do you have, maybe even this morning? What burdens do you bring in here week in, week out, week in, week out? 
Guys, if you're not worshiping with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you're not worshiping with everything that's a part of you, then you are robbing yourself of incredible victory over the the pain and the, the sorrows in your life. As worship is warfare, use it as the weapon that God has given it to be. Verse 4 goes on. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land too. What is this telling us here? That God created it all. And why does that matter? Well, because if the, the infinite being, the creator of the universe, the one that spoke and everything came into being, if that God is, is telling you, Hey, I I can help you. Don't you think that we should listen? It says that that the mightiest mountains are in the palm of his hands. Show me Mount Everest. That's a big mountain. People die climbing up that mountain all the time because there's like no oxygen up there. They have to wear oxygen masks just to breathe. When you're walking up Mount Everest, the trail to get to the peak, there are frozen corpses everywhere that you look from people that have died 20, 30 years ago, but they can't get them off the mountain because it's so hard to get them down. It is so high up there. The air is so thin that people die regularly trying to climb this thing. Mount Everest, the the highest point on earth. And what does the Bible say? It says that God holds it in the palm of his hands. It's like a a grain of sand. it's, it's like an atom in the palm of God's hands. It is nothing compared to the infinite one. And so what this is telling us here is, is what do you need? What do you need from God today? Do you need that, that freedom from addiction? Do you need that, that freedom from depression or anxiety? Do you need that mended relationship to come back together Do you need wisdom for what your future holds or what what God wants you to do next? Whatever you need, come to the Almighty One who holds everything in the palm of His hands. Every resource, every ounce of wisdom that is in this universe, God holds. If you're not coming to Him in worship and in prayer, then you are missing out on the Infinite One's power. You are selling yourself so short if you're not coming to our Creator, our Father in heaven, and saying, Daddy, I need help. Abba, I need you. Help me. Don't rob yourself of that opportunity. Verse 6 and 7 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. Again, we see the call to come. Like God is, is saying, come to me. You have to, to take some effort. You have to say in your, your mind and in your heart, I'm not going to listen to what I feel right now, even though everything inside of me is saying to sit down and to not give a flip about what is going on in worship right now. It's, God is saying, come to me. Saying, do, do some effort on your part, and if you will, I will give you whatever you need. We have to come to him, and then it says, we have to 
different postures of worship. Worship, bow down, kneel. Again, when people worship celebrities, they don't just sit back with their hands in their pocket, half falling asleep. No, they're, 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 Beyonce, touch me. I just, just let me, I just want, I just want you right now, right? People get all engaged in worship. Not just with our words, but with our body, with our hearts, with our minds. As worship is active. Worship is active. It reminds me of uh, sports fans. How many, how many sports fans we have in, in the place? Yeah, or how many of you guys know what a sport is? Good, good. We're, there's like half of you guys are like, I don't know, what is that? I know you know. You just didn't raise your hand. Sports fans are some of the most passionate worshipers on earth. Have you ever seen them when their team scores a goal or scores a touchdown or whatever your sport is? Have you ever seen them? They go bananas. Like they, they don't care what anyone else is thinking around them. They are jumping around. They're, they're grabbing each other. They're hugging, they're, they're falling on their faces like, oh my gosh, we just, we just scored a touchdown, right? They get every part of themselves engaged in what they're worshiping at the time. And it's not just sports fans. I'm not just calling out us sports fans because I'm guilty of it too. I get really excited when my team scores. It's all of us. We as people, remember, we are created to be worshipers. And so whatever it is, our thing is, we get engaged completely in it. How many of you guys watch the World Cup? Or know what the World Cup is? Or know what soccer is? We'll just keep taking it down a level until we get there. So the World Cup, like, like people, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people all around the world are watching this game, right? They're watching this, this tiny little screen. Some people are watching it on their phone a screen about that big, and whenever this tiny plastic ball travels a couple yards and hits this, this big white mesh net, people go bananas. And we spend millions and billions of dollars making sure that we can make sure and see when this little tiny plastic ball gets into this net, right? Or you, you football fans, whenever, whenever this uh, round pigskin makes it into another person's hands, we, it's like watching toddlers play catch, but yet we go bananas over it. We go crazy because we are worshipers at heart. When the, the teams in the World Cup score goals, their fans become worshipers. And they give every ounce of their attention, their energy, their focus, their bodies to make sure that the world knows that they are praising the team that scored. Well done, team. You guys, check out this video.
some of the most passionate worshipers you'll ever see. Does the church not pale in comparison to those type of worshipers? Guys, it shouldn't be like that. It should not be like that. We get a chance to to be with the infinite creator of the universe, the one that sits outside of time and space and yet is infinitely, intimately with us right now in this place. The one that loves us with a never-ending affection, the one that has saved us from our sin at his own price. We get the opportunity to cry out to that one and yet so many of us come into worship and we forget that. We don't feel like doing it, and so we don't, as I'm guilty of that. There, there rarely comes a Sunday that I don't just feel like sitting down and doing nothing. And I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be the spiritual one. Every time we come into worship, I have to make a conscious decision that I'm going to engage because he is worthy. Oftentimes, when I don't feel like worshiping, which is weekly, I have to tell my body to worship. And when my body starts worshiping, my heart and mind typically follow. Why is that? Because our bodies lead our hearts. And so if you don't feel like worshiping, that's totally fine. But don't let it end there. Don't miss out on the opportunity to connect with your infinite creator, the one who knows you, who knows exactly what you need, exactly how to heal you, how to free you. Don't miss out on that opportunity just because you don't feel like it. None of us feel like it. But we have to actively engage into what is happening. And so often what I will do when I don't feel like worshiping is I will whisper a prayer, God, The last thing I want to do right now is worship, but you are worthy, and so help me to worship. And then even when I don't feel like lifting my hands, I lift my hands, or I'll get on my knees, or whatever I have to do to lead my heart into a posture of worship. So maybe that's, that's what you need to start doing. God, I don't want to worship right now. Would you help me? And then just, just lift your, if if the people that love the World Cup, that love the soccer goals, the, the tiny plastic ball going into this net, if they can jump around and they can hug each other and they can throw stuff in the air and they can fall on their faces and just weep because they won, how much more should the people of God? How much more should the people of God? And do not hear an ounce of condemnation in this because this is me. I am preaching to myself right now because so often I don't want to worship. I'm so much better at worshiping the Houston Texans than I am at worshiping my God. This is all of us. But if we want to experience revival, if we want God to move in us like he has never moved before, if we want to be known as a place where God's presence dwells and where people are freed from addiction and freed from depression and freed from self-harm and where there's no cliques and there's no gossip and we just love each other so well, if we, if we want to be known as a place like that, then we have to be worshipers. 
And we're going to have to do some things that are outside of our comfort zone. We're going to have to take some effort to come to God. Worship is active. The soccer fans are active worshipers. Some of the most passionate worshipers in the world. Let's, let's take some, some cues from them. Guys, if you, if you come into this place or you're, you're driving, you're listening to worship music, and you say to yourself, I don't feel anything. That happens to me all the time. I come into to a worship service or I'll, I'll, be, I'll throw on some worship music and, during my quiet time. And, Man, God, I don't feel anything. Like, I don't want to engage in this. That's okay. Just admit that you don't want to engage. Say, God, I, I don't want to engage in this. Would you help me to? And then do the thing with your body that tells your heart how it should behave. You have to direct your heart in worshiping God. And so if you have to get on your knees, if you have to fall on your face, if you have to dance around, whatever you have to do to engage your heart in worshiping your Creator, that is the only way that you will experience freedom and peace and happiness because we are all worshipers at our core. And we were designed to worship our Creator. We were designed to worship Christ. And worship is warfare. Fight with it. Fight with it. Guys, the first night of camp, we just got back from camp this past week, and the first night that we were there, we went into the, the worship service, and in a moment of vulnerability, I did not want to be there. Again, like, I'm, I'm the pastor. Like, I'm supposed to, this is, like, I'm supposed to be super stoked to be there. I was tired. I was exhausted. I did not want to be there. I just wanted to go to my room and sleep. And so I stood there for, for a couple of songs and just, just kind of took it all in. I was like, oh, I can't wait for a nap. can't wait to go to bed. And God convicted me in the moment. He said, are, are you going to miss out on this opportunity to meet with me? I was like, well, if I keep doing what I'm doing, then yeah. Okay, maybe I shouldn't. God convicted me so hard in that moment. And, and so I had to, to say, okay, yes, Lord, and do that whole repentance thing that we talked about, going the other way. It's like, all right, Lord, I'm just going to worship. I'm going to do the, the body thing that will hopefully lead my heart, and then you're going to have to do the rest. And so that's what I did. And that's what I had to do each and every day because I was exhausted all week. And there was a lot of, of times that I missed out on the opportunity to meet with God. But as the week went on, the more that I did that, guys, I experienced some of the, the most intimate times of worship that I have ever experienced with God. I would have missed out on the gift that that was if I didn't command my heart to do the thing that I didn't want to do. If you come into worship and you don't want to be here, I get that. But don't miss out on where God has you. God has you here for a reason. God has you wherever you're presented with the opportunity to worship him for a reason. Don't miss out on that. Guys, we experienced a lot of, uh, I would say, revival at camp. For those of you that were there, we, we saw some amazing things happen. Like, like the, the amount of... Uh, 
amazing teaching of God's word that we, we were given was incredible. And seeing kids and myself love God's word more than we have in a long time, God is reviving something there. We, we built some incredible friendships with each other. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of, of students that have said, man, I went into this really lonely and not knowing anybody, and I came out with some deep friends, some good, good friends. And we served together. We, we went out into the community and served without any expectation of anything in return, and God blessed us so much. Like the, the joy that you feel when serving other people without any expectation of getting anything is amazing. We experienced a greater love for Jesus. Like, like, I know I came back loving Christ more than I have in a, a long time. And I know several student stories. I hear, keep hearing story after story of what God did for us at camp. He's bringing revival to this student ministry. But one of the, the greatest joys that I had this week was seeing God revive our worship. Show me my pictures of our, our night of worship. You can just scroll through those back and forth. But I, I want you to take this in. And these pictures don't do it any justice. God was moving in a powerful way in our worship. And do these people look like they are bored? Like they, they wish they were out, you know, watching Ant-Man instead? The joy, the, the happiness that we experienced because of worship was incredible. Man, so many people, I, I looked around and people were just weeping because God was moving in their hearts to, to forgive other people. They had had hatred and, and bitterness poisoning them from within, but God was moving in worship for them to forgive and to, to reconcile relationships. Kids, kids who, who said, I have never felt the presence of God before. That night, God was moving in power. And they said, I feel God for the first time and it's the best thing I've ever experienced. God is reviving our worship. But if you missed out on camp, it's not like, oh, I missed, I missed the train. I can't experience revival because I wasn't at the thing. That's not how God works. That's not how God works. God is just as present here and now as he was in Houston. God is just as present every single time we gather together as he was then. We have an opportunity to experience revival in our hearts each and every week. Do you need freedom in your life? How many of you guys would say, I need some freedom in my life from something, from, from a chain that's binding me, or, or from, from an addiction, or from a fear, or from anxiety? I need that. I think every one of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, need something from God. Worship is our warfare. He can revive us each and every week. Guys, it's not, not just worship, but we have so much going on where you can experience revival in your hearts. You can come closer to God and thereby find greater happiness and contentment and peace than you have right now. We have our crash pads this Wednesday. We're just going to have fun together. Like, it, no expectations other than just come and have fun. Build friendships with other people while we're here. 
We have our, our we serve. We're going to go serve the community again with, with no expectation of something in return. I mean, look, look at the joy on their faces. Just the joy of getting to love on somebody who has nothing that, that, that needs some, some love and that needs some attention. You have the opportunity to do that this week. We have our, our Friday night upper room prayer and worship night. Guys, this is the highlight of my week. If you haven't joined us for that, I, I beg you guys, don't miss out on the opportunity that, that God is giving you to be able to, to meet with Him in a special way. As all we do is devote two hours to worshiping and praying to Him, that He would move in our lives, both personally and as a student ministry. And then we have our, our small groups. like they're, they're starting in just a couple of weeks. And if you're not planning on being a part of a small group, then I challenge you to pray about that. You do not want to miss out on the community, the, the friendships that you can build by getting plugged into a small group. And beyond that, you don't want to miss out on what God can do in your life, what he can teach you about himself in a small group. If you have, if you have plans for, for whatever else, for football practice or for, for band or for whatever extracurricular activity it is, I would challenge you to pray about it and ask God, Lord, do you want me involved in small groups or do you want me involved in this activity because unless God is calling you to that there is no way that that is going to give you more than meeting with God's people each week my life has been changed by small groups so many people in this room have been changed by small groups don't miss out on what God wants to do in and through that guys we're going to move into time where we respond to the Lord, where we, we take in, we, we've talked about a lot this morning, but the important part is not just hearing the word, but being doers of the word. And so we're going to do some business with the Lord. I want you to grab your pen and paper from under your seat. And there's nothing magical that happens whenever we write something down other than the fact that it makes it real in our lives. When we write something down, it makes it more real to us. Guys, I just want you to, to maybe close your eyes and just imagine real quick. Imagine coming in to, to worship here together week in and week out. And it's not just the same old, same old where we, we sing a couple of kumbaya songs and we move on with our lives, but we connect with the infinite creator of the universe who loves us, who knows us, who has every resource we could ever need. What if worship was just as, if not more powerful than it was for us at camp every single week because we came with expectant hearts waiting to meet with the God of the universe in this room? And I guarantee you, if we did that, it would spill out to your entire life. Your, your quiet times, your time with God in, in the morning would be exponentially better. You would hear from him more clearly. You would experience more freedom in your life. Because we find freedom in worship. Freedom from the chains of addiction and depression, the slavery to anxiety or to people's opinions or to likes on social media or whatever is capturing all of our heart's attention. What would it look like if every week we came in and we, with abandon, 
outdid those soccer fans. Because God is infinitely more worthy. Those soccer fans are jumping up and down and they're shouting and they're screaming at the top of their lungs because a ball went into a net. But we have the opportunity to jump and to shout and to scream and to sing at the top of our lungs because we no longer are slaves to sin. Meaning we don't have to bear the wrath that was coming against us because of our own sin because we spat in the face of God. God rightly has judgment against sin, but he didn't leave us in our judgment. He didn't leave that wrath to be taken on ourselves. No, he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could know him and be with him forever. What? What kind of God is this that we serve? We have the opportunity to meet with him. How much more should we give all of our body, soul, mind, and strength to worship him? He is worthy beyond measure. And when we do that, we experience freedom. We experience peace. We experience happiness and joy. So I want you to ask God now, God, how do you want me to change the way that I worship? Whatever he tells you, write it down. you write out a simple prayer to him just begging him for his help God help me to change maybe even ask him to revive your own heart take it a step more ask him to revive our student ministry 